Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of GMs for Hire. I am Jamil King. With me is RJ Strope. And today we are talking about college football. Tonight is the night the first rankings have dropped from the, from the playoff committee for college football. RJ's rocking the shirt. You know how we're coming. And um, the top four teams, um, no real surprise. We have the University of Alabama, followed by Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, rounding out the top four. Um, I envisioned this side of the top four was going to look what we got here. RJ, how about you? See, I thought Ohio State was going to be three and Clemson was going to be four. Um, I, I still think winning your games matter. I understand Clemson had a freshman quarterback on the road and lost in double overtime. I get that. But, like, Ohio State hasn't lost a game. And to me, that still kind of has to matter. Um, I think this past weekend, them barely escaping Indiana, uh, only winning by seven over a previously undefeated Indiana team. But do we really – do we really respect Indiana? Um, I think them only winning by seven and giving up a million offensive yards. I think that's probably why the committee decided to put Clemson above Ohio State. You know, you mentioned winning matters, and um, we're going to get into that real soon as we talk about the rest of the rankings. And we go from five to ten. We have Texas A&M, University of Florida, Cincinnati, the group of five, makes an appearance here at seven. Then a surprise here with Northwestern University, then Georgia and Miami rounding out the top 10. Um, you mentioned one-year games matter, and uh, a team with two losses is sitting there in Georgia. How do you feel about that? I, I don't think they should be there. I really don't. Um, like I said, I think winning your games has to matter. Now, the only way Georgia being at nine makes any sense to me is, did you see how good the offense looked when JT Daniels played against Mississippi State? Georgia actually finally looked like a complete football team. We know they can play defense. It's the offense that's been behind. And it's not the running backs and it's not the receiver. It's they can't find a quarterback. Well, now with JT Daniels starting, I thought that offense looked a lot better against Mississippi State. I think JT Daniels played very well. Um, this is putting them at nine, though. That has to be a projection thing. You're expecting Georgia to play well the rest of the year with a solid quarterback now because having them at nine right now, having gotten blown out, let's be real, it wasn't, you know, they weren't tight games when they lost to Bama and when they lost to Florida. Like both teams pulled away in the second half. These weren't nail biters. So to put Georgia at nine, that I thought that was way too high unless you're projecting what they're going to be going forward. And if that's the case – I can change just about every team in this top 25 because it's not supposed to be a projection. It's supposed to be a current state of where we are right now. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. You know, I told people in other group chats, somebody they were like, why is Georgia ranked nine? And I didn't necessarily agree with them being ranked nine, but basically I said is look who they lost to. They probably put them there because they lost to Florida and, and Alabama. But at the same time, that's two losses and, and no other team with two losses is sitting here in the top 10. You have all undefeated teams except for A&M and Florida who both have two good wins and Van and beating Florida and Florida beating Georgia and uh, the rest are one loss teams in the top 10. So um, I, I, I don't understand why they put Georgia there, but they did. And um, with Georgia being that high there, there's another really good football team that seems to be getting disrespected. And that is BYU it's sitting at 14. Um, this is a team that I love. I think they're really from the watch. I'm very high on Zach Wilson. I've liked him since he was a freshman. This year's his coming out party. He's been lighting things up over there for the Cougs. And um, the Cougs have a problem, though. They only have one game left in their schedule. So um, they might have to get some things going on. How do you feel about them being ranked so low? Boy, I, I had a feeling 
that either BYU or Cincinnati was going to get disrespected tonight. I just had a feeling when the, you know, when the music started and Reese Davis is on TV and it's like, all right, we're going to see these rankings. Let's go. I just knew one of those two teams is going to get disrespected. I did not expect it to be this bad though. To have BYU at 14, this just proves my point that I've had for, I think, six years now. And that is, I don't believe that the college football playoff committee watches the games. I just, period, I just really don't think so. They meet in this room in Grapevine, Texas, and they all got their computers with all their little analytics and all their FPI rankings and the strength of schedule and, you know, if it was sunny and if it was cloudy and what, who cares? Watch the football games and you tell me, is that team good or is that team kind of suspect? If you're not watch, if you're watching BYU and you don't think that team's good, I really don't know what you're what you're looking for. I understand they're playing a very very weak schedule. I get it. Their best win is on the road at Boise State on a Friday night. Which listen, I don't care how many players Boise State had out. That's not an easy win. You're talking about the best group of five program of the last 10, 15 years in Boise State, other than the you know, a little undefeated run UCF had. And BYU goes into their home field and just obliterates them. I get it. BYU isn't playing anybody. But when you're in that, you know, when you're in that position that BYU is in, you have to take care of business. You cannot win a game by a field goal. You got to blow teams out. And BYU is 9-0. They are 9-0. And and they have won their games by 34 Mm -hmm. points per game. Are you kidding me? They just hung 66 on North Alabama or whoever they played. I don't care that it's North Alabama. You hang 66 on anybody, you can go. Like, you're good. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I I was was really getting ready to transition to this point, which I'm glad you did. You mentioned they're blowing teams out. That mentioned that let's just talk about – let's compare two teams real quick. Northwestern's thing at eight. They're undefeated as well, but – no, Northwestern's not blowing the no, blowing the brakes off people. They beat Iowa by a point. They beat Nebraska in the ugly game by eight. They beat Purdue by seven. They beat Wisconsin by ten. Um, they're winning games. They're not. They're not. They're not necessarily getting fashion points. And BYU's over here obliterating teams. They have a player that is in the Heisman running in Zach Wilson. And I feel like this team should be up there with Northwestern. No, no disrespect to Northwestern and Pat Zero, but they're playing good ball. But I feel like BYU is playing at such a high level, and, and I feel like they're just really got the short end of the stick here. When you have a team like Northwestern that's barely scraping by, and just because they're in the Big Ten, they're ranked this hard, far, far, far ahead of you. I, I don't really agree with it. I think BYU should be a lot higher than they are, and um. I think we exactly. both need on the same page with that. Yeah, no, that's the problem I've had with this committee is they're giving all these power five teams a pass saying, oh, well, look at who they played. And all the group of five teams are having to play, you know, like they're already down 20. Like you absolutely just have to look perfect. If you so much as have a false start penalty, the committee's like, oh, see, I told you they're not any good. Like that's not good. Like watch the games. You If you watch Northwestern play and you watch BYU play, those two teams are not close, in my opinion. Like, I love Pat Fitzgerald. I think Northwestern's a good story. They got the fight and Reese Davis is out there. I get it. But BYU is just electric. They are blowing the doors off of whoever gets on the same field as them. And to have them rank six spots lower 
than a Northwestern team that's winning games by single digits in a Big Ten that I don't really think can score? Come on. Like, that that's just disrespectful. Yeah, I definitely don't agree with that place, but I am glad that um, – you mentioned that you thought one of one of BYU or Cincinnati would get disrespected, and um, it was BYU. Cincinnati, they're sitting at seven, and um, I think seven's a pretty good spot for this football team. They're obviously not going to be ranked in the top four uh, right away, and I understand why they're behind A&M in, in Florida because A&M beat Florida, and Florida has looked very good, and they beat Georgia. Um, Cincinnati sitting at seven. I like that spot for them. Um, I think this is a team that can play good ball. I'll say today, I think this is a really good football club. They showed a lot. Um, in their win against UCF, they got down early, and then they ended up controlling the game. Desmond Ritter has been playing phenomenal football as a dual-threat player, and um, their defense can go. Um, I like the Cincinnati team, and I like that they're ranked at seven. Um, I don't necessarily know if I see a path to the playoffs for them just because of some scenarios that would have to happen, which we'll talk about briefly before the end of the show. But um, how do you feel about Cincinnati hanging at seven? I thought that was about right. I thought they should have been right there behind the top six, Like, I think everybody knew who the top six were going to be. You had the three SEC, two ACC, and Ohio State. Those were the six. And then it was really going to get interesting from seven to ten who was there. And I thought Cincinnati definitely belonged there. I thought BYU should have been with them. Um, I do agree. I don't really know of a path. Like, how is Cincinnati going to get into the playoff unless we have some chaos? Like, you're going to need A&M to lose to LSU this weekend. I completely agree. You're going to need Bama to blow the doors off of Florida. You're going to need Notre Dame to beat Clemson again. Um, you're you're gonna you you need help big time. You're pretty much hoping the game to a four seed, and you hope that you have an undefeated Notre Dame and undefeated Ohio State, undefeated Alabama, and then it's just do you stack up better against one of the one loss teams to me? And I feel like that they'll get the sword into the stick in any in any of those scenarios, but. Um, you know, it's interesting to see, um, can they do it? You know, we're always talking about, can this be the year Google 5 team does it? And um, it's probably going to be a year where another one goes undefeated, another one doesn't quite make it, to be quite honest. Yeah, I will say, though, uh, something else that I had picked up uh, as far as this Group of 5 deal goes, Cincinnati now, I know they have a goal of making the playoff, but to me, they are now a lock to be the Group of 5 representative in the New Year's Six. Um I really thought that maybe if they had tripped up against UCF and Coastal Carolina gets a good win over Appalachian State, which they did, I was thinking maybe that gets close and maybe we can see the Chanticleers in a New Year's Six game. But having Cincinnati at seven and then Coastal Carolina all the way down at 20, uh, that just – Cincinnati can just kind of let their foot off the gas now and they're going to coast into the New Year's Six. I know they got bigger goals, but I just, you know, realistically, they're probably a lock to be in the New Year's Six now. Yeah, I agree. But um, I don't know if you've watched a lot of Coastal Carolina, but uh, their quarterback, Grayson McCall, he can play he ball. Can go. He is, he can he is go. a great quarterback. He's really exciting to yeah. watch. Um, I don't mean you, we, we, we like to watch these other teams, you know, no one else is really watching and um, he could play ball. He's a good dual threat quarterback. He's just a freshman. I think this dude has all yep. the potential in the world to be one of the better quarterbacks in college football for the next few years. Yeah. I really hope that they keep, that they can keep, you know, the coach. Uh, yeah, I, I know, know South Carolina is definitely is interested in him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's going to be tough when you have an upstart program like this, hopefully they can keep the coaching staff somewhat intact, keep most of their players, you know, this year doesn't count towards your eligibility. So everybody can come back. Even seniors can come back next year and not lose a year of eligibility. Um, I'd like to see Coastal run it back next year with now a sophomore 
quarterback that uh yeah he's he's playing really well i watched just about every snap of that game versus app state yeah that was a good game instead of watching ohio state indiana i just i don't know i, I was a lot more interested in seeing I was how between both Carolina of them and then when indiana started coming back i, I was like oh man i don't know what yeah. to watch because the ending of the app state coastal game was so good and then yet oh, it was crazy coming back making any game so uh, we had some good games yep. on saturday and oh, yeah, um, it was it was awesome Speaking of uh, good games, from late we'll go we'll go from early to late. Um, we'll talk about the Pac-12 here a little bit. Um, they played their their two best teams. They play at three thirty, and then they played at ten thirty. Um, the Oregon Ducks barely survived UCLA with a backup freshman quarterback, and we had the Trojans take they they took control of the game late with a, with some field goals against Utah. But um, these are two teams to me that they're the only chance the Pac-12 has to make the playoffs, but they're just not cutting it to make the playoffs. To me, in my mind, if you're a Pac-12 team and you want to make the playoffs, not only do you have to go undefeated, you got to start beating people down and barely beating UCLA with a backup quarterback and the only kicking field goals in the second half versus Utah. That's just not going to get the job done to make the playoffs in my mind. How do you feel? No, I, I 100% agree. I was saying this back when they – when they announced that they were only going to play six games or seven, if you include the championship game, I, I don't think the PAC 12 has a path here. Uh, I think you would have to have a 2007 type year of chaos where everybody has two losses and then you can put the undefeated Oregon or USC up there and compete with them. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned right now, Oregon probably didn't deserve to win that game versus UCLA. Um, you're talking about UCLA driving, at the end of the first half about oh, to take the lead and they throw a pick six. It's like, okay, like, come on now. UCLA could have been up with the momentum. That could have been a completely different game. And then we view that whole conference completely different. Um, but I will say with this being the first ranking and Oregon being 15 and USC being 18, uh, I, I don't see a path for the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12, honestly, is already eliminated tonight. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that and that sediment. And um, it's probably going to be crazy. It's going to be the first year where um, first year in a while we don't have Oklahoma making the playoffs. They're sitting at 11. They have two losses. We talked about them being down and out early in the season, but they've righted their wrongs and they're looking like they're going to make the Big 12 championship. That's a team I'm excited for next year. If they can bring back all their players along with the recruiting class, they're going to bring in. I think next year, um, sky's the limit for that team. That's the team I like. And right above them is Miami. I think if they can get De'Aaron King back next season, this is going to be a team that can make some noise next season. I'm really glad you brought up Oklahoma. Um, I have a problem with the committee, uh, as always. I, I don't like them. I don't think we need a committee. Um, so they always say, you know, they're not projecting forward. They are just, you know, the current rankings, this and that. They take everything into, you know, consideration. They take head-to-head matchups. That's one of their criteria or you know, talking points or whatever, but they also watch the games. Apparently I don't think they do. Um, and so let, let me, how, how does this happen? Okay. Texas A&M is ranked number five and Florida is ranked number six. I get it. Texas A&M beat Florida head to head. Cool. But if you watch them play, I think most people think Florida's a better team than Texas A&M, right? Probably. But you still kept Florida behind AM because AM beat them. Well, all you got to do is scroll about five, six spots down. Oklahoma's 11 and Iowa State is 13. Iowa State beat Oklahoma head to head. So, using the same logic from the AM Florida debate, 
How is Oklahoma above Iowa State? Just because they're playing really well right now? Well, look at Florida. They're playing really well, and in my opinion, they have the Heisman Trophy front runner with Kyle Trask. So where's the logic here? If A&M beat Florida head-to-head and Iowa State beat Oklahoma head-to-head, what, what are we doing? Why is there a discrepancy here? Yeah, I don't know what to tell you with that one. This, I, but what, what you're saying is the reason why a lot of people are tired of the committee. Um, it seems like they say one thing and they mean the other thing, or they say one thing and it matters for a couple of teams, but it doesn't necessarily matter for a couple other teams. It seems like they're just a little bit wishy-washy, and this is why people want, want the expansion. They're tired of they're tired of being fed one thing and then being told another. So it just seems like there's a lot of things that don't make sense sometimes with this committee. Yeah, no, I, I, I okay, hold on. I don't want expansion. Let me let me say that. I think four teams is perfect uh, because I don't know if, if it's six teams. Okay, cool. But like, there's less drama. I think you know your six every year. You can go back every year. There would have been no drama really as to who that number six seed is. Like, it's pretty cut and dry, and there's no drama and. I mean, let's be real. The TV companies don't want that. The TV networks love drama. That's why we watch them, because we want to hear them talk about drama. Um, And then if you make it eight teams, you would have to do the five conference champions, a group of five champion and two wild cards. But then you run the risk of an upset in a conference championship. And now you've got an eight and four pit that upset Clemson there in the playoff. And it's like, well, wait a minute. So I think four is perfect. Um, I get it. Everybody wants to be included, but like we don't need these extra playoff games. We already get them. Uh, when Florida played Georgia a couple weeks ago, that was a playoff game. They both already had a loss. So when you get that second loss, you're officially eliminated. That's a playoff game. Uh, you can go down the list when Notre Dame and Clemson, if Notre Dame, who, who I believe they're going to lose this Friday against North Carolina, when Clemson and Notre Dame play play each other again in the ACC championship, that's a playoff game because whoever gets their second loss is going to be eliminated. Um, we have these extra playoff games. They're just not technically playoff games. So I don't really see the need to expand. I definitely see, see where you're coming from. I, I personally think eight is too much. I think six is a happy medium. I think six, you get your you get the people you should get in, and then it gives the teams that don't necessarily have a chance, like these group of fives, I think it gives them a chance to finally do make it. I feel like in four – I honestly think in four teams or group of five teams will never make the playoffs. I just no. don't – I don't see a path for them to make it, even undefeated. I think UCF showed us that. Unless you just have a year or teams start losing like crazy, you're just never going to make it. And it's sad to say that not every team gets a chance to win. It's just the fact of the matter. I will say it would have been interesting a couple years ago – UCF had their undefeated season in, what, 2017? And then they back it up in 2018, and they go undefeated again, but Mackenzie Milton goes down. If Mackenzie Milton is healthy, I wonder if that changes the conversation in that room. Like, wait a minute, this team's gone undefeated two years in a row. Like, all right, let, you know, we need to put them in. But I think having gone undefeated two years in a row, but you lost your quarterback, well – now we have an excuse to leave you out of the playoff. So really, that would have been interesting if Mackenzie Milton had never gone down. I think UCF might have actually had a chance to make the playoff a couple of years ago. You know, it's a lot of he said, she said, you know, what if things that could happen yeah. in this thing? You know, maybe with the computers, things would be different. But um, but let's wrap it up here with, uh, you know, we see the top four. Um, we see how things can go down. 
let's map out how just exactly how things could shake up to end the season here. Um, obviously you have this Notre Dame Clemson two and three. Um, I don't think both of them will obviously if Notre Dame beats Clemson again, Clemson will not make the playoffs, but if Clemson beats Notre Dame, that means both of them have a shot to make the playoffs. Then you have Alabama playing Florida. If Alabama wins, obviously they're going to make the playoffs as the undefeated number one seed in the SEC. And then that probably takes that. Well, that, that then that opens the door for AM to possibly make the playoffs as a four seed. Um, Ohio State, if they go undefeated, they're obviously going to make the playoffs. So to me, the, the it's interesting to see what happens with Notre Dame, Clemson, and then the SEC where you have Alabama, Florida, and Texas A&M. Uh, how, what do you think about those uh, two scenarios? Yeah, this this could get really muddy. Uh, you mentioned if Clemson beats Notre Dame, and we're going to say all these are close games, no blowouts. If Clemson beats Notre Dame, if Florida beats Bama, who would get that fourth spot? Uh, because you would have your undefeated Ohio State, you would have your ACC champ Clemson, SEC champ Florida, and now you have to have a debate between Alabama, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame. I don't think Texas A&M is going to have much, you know, much of a argument there because they lost head to head to Bama. And I think everybody knows Bama's better. So really it comes down to Bama, Notre Dame. Are you looking at the loss or are you looking at the wins? I think Bama would have the wins having beaten Georgia and Texas A&M, but look at Notre Dame. Their only loss would be to a Clemson team. That's probably ranked higher than Florida it, it could get ugly. I think Ohio State, by the way, if they don't go undefeated, they're out. I think because the SEC and the ACC are pretty crowded up there, Miami still only has one loss, by the way. Like, hold on. Um, I, I think Ohio State absolutely has to go undefeated also. Yeah, I think I think Indiana showed a lot of things in that Ohio State secondary that they're, they're weak there. But, um, but if you're Ohio State, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. If you lose to lose all those players in the NFL, it's not it's not easy to come back the next season and be dominant. You know, you lose half the quarter of your defense to the, to the NFL. You got a lot of holes to fill. But um, I agree with that. They, they didn't look the best against Indiana, but I think we haven't seen the best version of Ohio State yet. Personally, I think they're they're getting ready to turn it up. But I also agree that AM, I think AM needs Alabama to go undefeated. And then they need help. I think AM has a chance to sneak into that four seed. Obviously, they have to win out first and foremost. And they have a slight – the four seed, it's up for grabs, I think, just depending on how things shake out. But to me, it all starts with Notre Dame-Clemson. If Clemson goes and beats the brakes off of Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame might be screwed out of a playoff spot. Yeah, see, that's the other scenario here with Bama and Ohio State going undefeated. But then Clemson absolutely blows the doors off of Notre Dame. Now you have Notre Dame who, yeah, they beat Clemson, but that was with a true freshman quarterback. That was in double overtime, and that was in your own building. When Clemson was at full strength, they blew the doors off of you. So now who do you give that fourth spot to, Notre Dame or Texas A&M? I don't know. Texas A&M got blown out by Alabama also. So Yeah, we're definitely really, getting 2014 uh, vibes where Ohio State ended up destroying Wisconsin, and then they hopped TCU and Baylor and made it into the playoffs, and lo and behold, won the championship. So yeah. um, obviously it's still early. These were the first rankings. Um, this is me and RJ. We're trying to just break things down for you, map things out. They can go. We have a lot more rankings to come. We have a lot more excitement to see. We have a lot more big games to come starting this weekend. RJ's Tar Heels, they're facing Notre Dame. They could really shake things up. I know RJ's yes, loving the Sam Howell. I know RJ thinks they're going to win. Um, Bro, that offense, really you can't stop that offense. That <laughs> offense is disgusting. That offense can go. Um, best running back tandem in the nation, I think. Uh, Howell's getting hot. 
Um, it should be a good game. They have a chance to really shake things up because, like you said, if Notre Dame falls here, um, AC championships, win or go home for both teams at that point. Off. Yep. Also, I was thinking about something. I'm going to have to look at the tie-breaking procedures and stuff because Notre Dame and Miami don't play each other. Mm-mm. We're just assuming Notre Dame's in the ACC championship. If they both have one loss, who gets in to play Clemson? I'll have to look that up. I'm not sure. I think it's probably still Notre Dame, but I think again, so Miami's too. not out of the woods. None of the Miami people I know have brought that up to me. But yeah. uh, may, maybe there's an outside chance Miami can get in. I, I don't know off the top of my head. We'll definitely have to look into that. Yeah, I, I don't know either. But it's not going to matter because in a couple weeks, UNC is going to go beat Miami too. So. <laughs> Well, there you have it. RJ is breaking down for you. Thinks UNC is going to uh, finish this season undefeated, it sounds like, and find their way yeah. into some little good bowl game. And he thinks the Orange gonna... Bowl, baby. All right. He thinks they're going to win the Orange Bowl. They think they're going to come the back Orange next bowl. year and run it back and go all the way, probably. Hey, that that year. Hey, listen, <laughs> we got we got some seniors. And being that this year doesn't count towards your eligibility, if we can just bring a couple of those seniors back, if the juniors don't leave, and with the incoming freshman class that we're going to have next year, yeah, DJ Ukulele better watch out at Clemson because there's another team in the ACC that can go. Well, they have it first, guys. RJ's calling the ACC championship next year again for, for, for North Carolina. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for our first breakdown of the college football playoff rankings by the committee. We'll be back next week to break more things down. As like we said, there's some big games this weekend. Um, I'm Jamil. That's RJ. I'll thank you guys for joining us again.